0: Welcome to the Crone's Porch. Magic, wow. Much bitchcraft, such liminal approach to paganism. Cool.
1: Conversations about much magic and such witchcraft. Wow, fantastic paganism, mythology, and such wonderful general disdain for real world wow.
0: (laughs) This is your grandmother's podcast and we really hope she listens because your grandma is probably a really nice person. It's really true.
1: Uh, content warning we use colorful language lots of complaining and general curmudgeonry these opinions are our own which we express as individuals following a crone path
0: on today's episode it's summertime today's episode is titled babushkas and margaritas and we're gonna figure out what crones do in the summer because honestly we don't know so enjoy hi colin
1: hi ian how are you
0: I mean, we have both just finished our graduate program, so I'm tired. How are you? I am tired, and I have been eating too much, because, you know, what you do. <laughs> what you do. We just got back from a walk, so I'm using physical activity of some sort, but not much.
1: Same. Actually, I, I've, I've been going for walks every day. I'm actually getting up to, like, four four miles a day, so I've been, I've been doing the physical activities and weight training and the things, because why not?
0: Oh, I need to do that. We just don't have much, besides walking around the apartment complex we live in, there's not much else to do. It's true. You live in, like,
1: bumfuck nowhere, just outside of bumfuck nowhere.
0: (laughs) At least you have hiking. It's true. Everyone's on the rail trail out by us, so it's like, can't even do that because social distancing. Yeah. I
1: mean, welcome, also, welcome audience. As you can see, Ian and I are, like,
0: ah uh, <laughs> it's a weird time for us okay it's weird
1: it is it's very strange but um what we drinking
0: uh i am drinking sailor jerry non spawned rum because it's five in the afternoon so it's five o'clock somewhere and that's here <laughs> and i can do this
1: that's fair and i am non-spawn drinking um yuling black and can and it's very tasty
0: Oh, a black and tan. Can't get over the wheat taste.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprisingly enjoying it. So, so I shall say, slanja.
0: And then one and... for you, one for me, and one for the old crones, and down the hatch that I hate it. Clink, Whee! Ah. Uh.
1: Uh. Woo! Aha. So Breathe we found fire. what makes. So now we found what makes you do it. I do it on shitty
0: Polish vodka, and you do it on rum. Yeah, it's, not, it's just the the in my nose. I haven't done that in a while. Whew. I feel energized. Looked out
1: sinuses, here it comes.
0: <laughs> no, that's horseradish for me. Clean oh, tip true. for our audience: if you are if you need your sinuses cleaned out, get yourself some nice mashed horseradish. Not the horseradish mayo or spread. Open the jar and just take a really deep whiff with your nose about like a centimeter off the top, cleans out your sinuses.
1: Or if you want to have a cultural experience, make hard boiled eggs and then put horseradish on top of
0: them. That too. That's it. But like If real you fun. Need a quick a quick pick me up, keep horseradish in your fridge. You don't it doesn't matter if it goes bad because you don't care because you're not eating it. You don't you can't tell. And you can't tell. And just huff. Actually it. you can.
1: Actually you can. I found a really old jar of horseradish in, in my fridge the other day and it
0: it had fermented. Was it like a cultural family heirloom?
1: I kind of I imagine it's 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 what's been passed down from the old <laughs> yeah. country back when my Polish family came from Poland cuz I'm sure horseradish
0: lasts forever. Take I yeah, us on no, that. it does. <laughs> we are yeah, not I the mean, FDA. Don't I mean don't, don't
1: don't 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 tr- you know don't trust your culture to it but you know just give it a try. <laughs> um, but uh, so as you can see we are we are kind of stalling because you know lots of crones aren't even crones right now.
0: <laughs> it's the summertime and we're titling this episode babushkas and margaritas because that's what I do in the summer is just kind of chill around looking like a decrepit old lady who's angry at the world drinking a margarita.
1: That's yeah, no, that's what I would do. That's where those were my summer plans until this stuff came along. I was hoping to be drinking margaritas at festivals and friend having friends over for barbecues and, you know, doing pagany things outdoors. But here we are and I'm back to being a solitary, which I'm not good at. <laughs> mm, sorry, this isn't bitch, this isn't bitchcraft. I need to I need to control myself.
0: No, it's not. But so, what do crones usually? Do? The question on everybody's mind, because I'm a mind reader and that's my job, um, is what does a crone exactly do in the summer when it's all about youth and you know sexuality and fun times? Wow.
1: Make margaritas and look angrily at the world. Yeah, I know, but let's look at it from, like, a mythological standpoint. Okay, fair enough.
0: What are the crones doing usually at this time of year?
1: Well, I think it depends on what crones we're talking about, because if we're looking at our more expansive definition of crones, we have your Earth Mothers, and they generally have either themselves gone from being crones, like um, Ankylach becomes Breed or Brigid post Beltana. So she's going back to being a mother, goddess, a fire goddess. Um, mm-hmm. You could you could argue that like, if you want to put um, Demeter and Persephone into their Mater mother, and crones aspect, it's it's when you know Persephone returns, so everyone's rejoicing. You know, so you this is kind of the time when the crones have have gone back to being maidens or mothers or have brought on their fertility aspect, so everything is is kind of partying and and working with animals and the like Mm -hmm. so i i would say that it it really does you know your results may vary but i would say summertime (laughs) is your summertime is when the community is less worried about you know dying in packs and droves because nature is trying to kill them as much and more about everybody's coming back out everyone's starting to party again everyone's starting to plant again the it's warm out so everyone's mood has improved drastically because for most people sun makes you happy so i would say it's more (laughs) about more about getting rid of those pesky worries of winter and leaving those behind and start doing things in nature and doing things with community Mm. i you know i failed because i didn't do any research to look on what other mythological things could be applicable because i was doing other things but um
0: (laughs) we have lives people
1: well currently i don't have much of one i've just been doing yard work and going for walks and doing job applications but you know what it's fine yeah, yeah, no, it's just I not mean, the one I was to any... live right now. <laughs> are there any crones that stay
0: crone in the summer? Well, I think you
1: can call on crones in their crone aspect any time of year. True. But, but like mythologically Bob any... Bob oh, okay. but I think Bob Bob stays in her crone aspect all year round. Um She can she can appear however she wishes. It's just kind of that the the constant amorphous nature of the Morrigan is that she is everything at once Mm -hmm. um i don't i i can't think of many off the top of my head who are just full-time old ladies because generally i think the deities are viewed with the cycle of the seasons and so now is the the young the young time the youth time
0: the growth time true i mean i can think of and it's usually outside of straight up deity so Baba Yaga, for all that I love Mm -hmm. her, is not necessarily considered a deity. Um, She's more so just an immortal witch. So (laughs) she's always croning it up. And I think that's uh, probably consistent, um, you know, across a couple different, you know, the old witches who aren't necessarily deities, but just more so immortal, are perpetually old because they just live forever. But yeah, I would say, I would agree with you. I think if we're going deity route, like straight up, they're following life cycles. So people attribute summer with youth and growth. So most of the deities take on a more youthful, vigorous lifestyle than, you know, in the winter.
1: Yeah, everyone takes on that new healthy lifestyle.
0: Um... (laughs) Oh, Odin is always old. (laughs) That <laughs> he does that to himself. It's true. He worries himself to death. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say yeah. cheer's but another I mean, one. He's not, true. not too young and spry all the time. He's very pensive even in the summer.
1: Yeah, that is that is that is a good point. I'm trying to think of others that are kind of Lou is kind of serious all the time. I don't know if you'd call it crone as much as just like like Tieran Odin, he, he has lots of responsibilities and sometimes has difficulty with a sense of humor.
0: Nah, I wouldn't. He's in his prime. He might be serious, but he's in his prime of
1: life. He is. He is the rising sun. Um literally and figuratively. Literally. It's <laughs> it's, it's true. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Like we've admitted, Summer is not our forte beyond the obligatory pagan community such, which we do very much enjoy, and the fact that Luz Day or Lunasa is, like, one of our favorite holidays, but it's definitely not our strongest
0: time for magic. No. But that doesn't mean it's not a time for magic. We just have to Mm. look at it from a different perspective. Because this, to me, this is a time where crones aren't thought of as crones not because they aren't but mostly because the lack the again the winter keeping everyone alive responsibility has worn off and now they can just be crazy running around the forest picking flowers and going nuts and living in their now earned youth instead of actual youth you know it's that old adage of the older you get the younger you feel because you've lived all the ways you could and you always want to return to your youth at some point and live out the free-spirited, fun times again. And that's what summer is for me.
1: Yeah. No, I can buy that. Now all I have in my head is, like, an image of Baba Yaga in a tank top, and I really hope I'm not punished for that.
0: <laughs> did you look at it positively, or did you look at it... I did. Uh... It's really fucking fun. And you're probably fine. <laughs> um,
1: Yeah, I th- I agree. I think it is a time when we can sort of let our let our hair down so to speak and and (laughs) do 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 magic not necessarily in the interest of really specific goals or or really specific growth but just magic for the sake of doing magic test those muscles keep them keep them taut and healthy and keep keep doing things explore new things but not think too hard about it. I, I think like you were talking about with Odin, who worries himself to death in the most literal of fashions. Um, we tend to age ourselves prematurely with all, all this overthinking. And so summer is a time to let go of the overthinking. And to just do the spontaneous. And sometimes it means doing some very ill-advised fairy work, for
0: example. <laughs>
1: it's true. I'm not saying this... that all work with fairies are is ill advised. I'm just saying that these instances may be ill-advised because under the influence of alcohol, one tends to follow the will of the wisps. And as Ian, you've told me, your mentor says,
0: don't follow the lights. Never follow the lights. And it's the the fun thing about summertime that I do very much enjoy is there's almost a limitless stockpile of just free-flowing energy. Winter you have to do a lot of work of building it up, tapping into it. Storing it for later, waiting for spring to birth new ideas. But summer, it's just there. And when you're bored, you can just tap into it and let it take you wherever it goes. Which is,
1: I think, a good segue into ideas for nature paganing. Going outside and doing magic in nature. So, for example, like it could be something as simple for, we have a rail trail in my hometown and I go on it, and I sometimes just tap into the natural growing green around me and let it flow through my body from one side to the other and just go go to either side of the trail and just let it flow through because it's it's nice differences because there's forest, but there's also lots of marsh, so you get, like, lots of cool energy from the water and lots of warm energy from the sun gra- sunny grass and lots of green energy from the trees. It's really nice.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can, uh, similar to that, if you live on a stationary place of land, you're not like traveling, summer is a great time to get to know the land that you're working on to commune with it. Winter is a little bit harder because obviously everything is slightly asleep, but this is a good time to get to know what maybe nature deities work well with your land, what um, protections you want to place on it, time to cultivate gardens of offerings. Um, all of that kind of land-based work that if, again, if you're in a very stationary place, you own your home, going to be there for a long time, you can start to really push those roots and grow your practice versus winter of, you know, maintaining and deepening connection.
1: Now I kind of want to plant cucumbers in the name of Lou.
0: Do it. Why not?
1: Actually, though, I'm, although, you know what, maybe I should Maybe I should do it with Mananan because he and I have been hanging out recently. Um, <laughs> but actually, that, let's let's go deeper into that idea of of what what deities work well with you in the land. Talk about our own experiences and some and some suggestions before we we go anywhere else with our nature. Like for example, I found, and we'll talk about her a bit later, so I won't go on with. Is I love Danu. I love the Tuadadanan and she is the All Mother of the Danan. She's also mother of the Brythonic gods under the name of Dawn. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we'll get more into it, but she's lovely. I love her. She's so nice. She also, I also love the images of her where it has rivers that are just coming out of her teats because I think that imagery is really powerful.
0: Yeah. And I think, so I'll talk a little bit about, so I got this practice from my mentor who is all my practices are from because I have one mentor, Um, but There are almost like two parts for me for land work. One part is the physical spot that you're on. Every physical piece of land that you're on has its own histories, its own connections, and that needs to be cultivated on its own because from one plot of land to the next, uh, you're not going to necessarily get the same energy or the same feelings or the same connections. But then on top of that is where you can start to bring in yourself. So my mentor, what's her land? I believe she she connects with Rhiannon for her land. Yes. That's what I'm going with on top of my head. Um, So then that's the specific deity that she brings in as, as her practice to commune with the land and start to set up that symbiotic relationship of building connection root system you know a practice but it's those two parts in harmony it's not i can't just i mean i'm in an apartment so it's a little weirder but i can't just be like this is the land of freya and that's it that it doesn't it won't connect as well just because i'm just dragging something out of my past and just sticking it where i am and being like planted done <laughs> it doesn't work like that so not everything I have... can grow everywhere exactly so i would have to cultivate the land, figure out what maybe its needs are, it might reveal that, or, you know, I might still bring in Freya because that's just something that's more powerfully connected to me, but I still need to connect with the land so that I can bring those two halves together to form the stronger whole of our land rather than land and my stuff.
1: That is a great, a great set of points. One thing I would like to insert is that if you are a person whose ancestors came here, not indigenous to here, that it's good to remember that this land has been stolen from people and that there were thing, people as well as there are still and were spirits and gods and things living on it long before you put your feetsies here and any gods that come from not here. So I learned this when I was working with people from ADF. I got it from the, um. we'll just, for sake of amenity, we'll call him Badger Man. Um, so I got this from Badger Man, but just before and during doing land work, just to acknowledge and give offerings to the ancestors, um, who were here, the ancestors of people who were pushed off of here, the spirits and the gods who may still live here, because even if some of them have been mostly forgotten, it's good to let them know that you're here and also to acknowledge your, your privilege, as it were, that this land isn't land that, you know, was set under your feet directly but rather was taken from someone else and you have had the privilege of living upon it so just
0: to just
1: to put everything into a nice spiritual and historical context would probably be a constructive practice
0: Mm -hmm. most definitely and that should be that's something everyone should just add to their practice always acknowledging the land that they are on and that comes from um especially for us like you and I aren't on any particular land permanently so we are always bouncing between ritual spaces so it's always nice to acknowledge the land that you are on if you build the connection it's uh, it becomes not less important but it's already a part of the practice so it's not a you do it every time because it's just something that you're always doing um but since we're bouncing around between you know the preserve on the campus to if we went off to a, a park it's something to always good to just acknowledge and to teach your students your group um it's just nice to do just in general
1: it is and as you develop a relationship with the land you will naturally develop a relationship with those who still live on it or those who were on Mm -hmm. it and naming it will become less important for your practice because it'll already be part of you and it'll be part of your your work and it'll be understood with the people and things that you are working with. So just being aware of it is important, but you don't have to think too hard about it as you, as you progress. Like Ian said, we're kind of transient because that's our stage in life. So it's difficult to have those long abiding relationships quite yet.
0: (laughs) It's true. Uh, But that's why it's important to do those small things. Cause you can always, I mean, some people are more, uh what's the right word are more akin to that than others or attuned to that than others but it's important to cult- to at least make connection with the land that you're working on um every time you do a ritual because that's the literal physical space you're on and if you don't acknowledge it it doesn't you know it's not it doesn't help with crafting that really nice strong foundation to do work on you end up doing work on sand
1: uh, yeah that is that is that is very true, and this isn't to say that um, we've been talking from a very, I, I not exactly rural, but very um, forest bog, easy access to the natural environment. This doesn't have to be limited to your non-urban folks. People in cities can do the same work because it's all your city is based on land, and even though it's it might be harder to access some natural features. That are not that are more accessible in other places. You can still do the same work. It just may be a little bit more difficult, or you have to go about it a little differently. But it's still something worth doing. And even the city itself, there are natural beings that live within cities too. Every human place of habitation and life attracts natural things. Like there are absolutely urban fairies. Um, they most <laughs> of them are probably imported from the old countries from europe and wherever else people have come from so you know any anywhere in the globe should not be eurocentric in that regard but just you know develop those relationships and don't worry
0: too hard about them just keep at it as you go yeah it's not a it's just um you No, know, the what's the right word it's just it's a nice way to round out a practice because, I mean, you and I both run into this of either becoming too, I'll call it sky-focused, of being up in the realm <laughs> of, of gods or being too land-focused of the here and physical. It's oftentimes we let go of that in-between part. There you know, there has to be a connection between the two. That That's very true.
1: I tend to be towards the day ethic and sometimes I lose sight of, the very simple but powerful energies of, of of earth, sea, and sky, and the natural world. So it's good to have that grounding, <laughs> most literally grounding energy involved. Yeah.
0: So what are some things that you plan on? I mean, this is obviously going to be a little different, but what are some, well, let's start with what are some common kind of practices that are really summer um, focused in pagan work?
1: Well, for me, that means community. I am a communal pagan. I live in I not I do not identify as a reconstructionist by any means of the imagination. But also I kind of take a truth of traditional religion in general, is that there's no such thing as a solitary practitioner in traditional religion. Your religion doesn't exist without a community. and so for me, it's all about community work. Um, we have Pagan Pride Day here in upstate New York, in the Syracuse area, one of my favorite times of year, although that's more towards the fall, but we have Lunasa, which is super communal, super party-focused, but in the summer, I just like the idea of everybody has the time to a certain degree to get together, have a, oh, bonfires are the best, but any sort of community-centered activity where you can do some magic together, where you can connect with each other. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be super intentional in that we're doing ritual structure. It can be more like commensality, sharing food and drink In is in, is in, in itself a ritual. So we do these community practices that bring us closer together and strengthen those bonds that maybe we've been apart for the winter because everyone's been stuck in their house because there's been four feet of snow and the wind wants to kill you. <laughs> now we can all come out of our houses and and join in the village festival or whatever it is that really brings people together and re reinvigorates those ties that bind us together and makes our magic more powerful because the more people doing magic in tune with each other probably the more effective it will be so if we all start praying for a good harvest we'll probably make more headway than just one person trying to plant a garden on their lonesome so you know these these sorts of things for you. What is what does that mean for you? Because I know what it means for me, and it mostly means like parting my ass off, which we'll get to. But <laughs> what does that mean for you?
0: Oh, I'm definitely the same. Summer is about going on camping trips. It's about uh, doing not non-structured, you know, ritual practices. About casting aside funny pun, casting aside your circle, casting aside that written now. <laughs> Uh, thing you wanted to do and just getting into a forest or getting into a place that you like. If you love the hustle and bustle of a city and you want to, I mean, right now it's kind of tough, but if you want to go sit down in Times Square and just like listening to the people moving back and forth and doing your ritual right there, it's about letting go of, in a way, tradition and just doing. Planning was for winter. Summer is about doing.
1: I, I agree. And, and sometimes for me, at least, that means taking risks. I remember when I just graduated from my undergraduate career and was moving into my graduate career. I was in the middle of summer. I was kind of bored. I was kind of lonely. And I thought, you know, I'd like to be with pagan people again because I had just moved out with my pagan friends from undergrad who were the ones who kind of got me into it. And I found that ADF group who, in the end, turns out I was not a huge part of and I kind of grew beyond but that risk of going to that Lunasa and meeting people and learning about other people's forms of festivals. And also, I went and I also got awarded the championship. I won the the most games, and I got to connect with Lu, and that didn't come to fruition until this year. And now I'm moving back into a Mananan space, but it was a really cool experience to have and to reflect on and go, That thing that happened is affecting my life. So for me, it's also taking those risks and seeking people out and seeing what will happen. And sometimes you'll get rejections. Sometimes you'll make lifelong friends. Sometimes you'll just have a cool experience. So like you said, it's all about that doing, that kinetic energy. Like it doesn't matter if it fails. You just do it and it sort of rolls you (laughs) along into something else. And it may take a while to show whatever it was meant to show. The gods tend not to work to work in the short term they tend to think the long game because you know gods and immortal things are immortal and sometimes humans are
0: squishy and (laughs) short-sighted by their by their their standards it's true so i mean i guess the question is in a in a covid world how do you still manage that well
1: i would say that the internet is a wonderful thing that's true but also being really intentional and really on top of your local news forecasts and instructions for example up here in upstate new york we seem to have flattened the curve really effectively so come the next high holidays that being litha and lunasa while i don't get what litha is and that will be part of our news i'm more than happy to celebrate it with people we might be able to manage having a small get-together if we know what the rules are. So Mm -hmm. being aware of what's going on, because risk is inevitable, and you have to be smart about what risks you're taking, but in a COVID world, it doesn't mean the world stops either. Letting yourself be paralyzed by fear is just as bad as not listening to what needs to be done. We were talking about before we started recording, people lacking compassion, and that is really important. We should be listening to what's going on and by the same token, we should also be willing to say, okay, if this is a low risk and we're not hurting other people, then we can engage in these practices. So staying on top of things, finding creative solutions, what does it mean for you, Ian? I have been lecturing. I
0: apologize. <laughs> My, I, for one, am all just about the creativity. I think uh, too often I have seen people being stunted and it's you know that's a valid experience to have we're in a pandemic it's going to affect people differently but a lot of people are looking at it and then just shutting down they're not seeing the opportunity to make something completely new so looking at a holiday like Lunasta it's so community focused but we're in the modern world we don't have to be doing old traditional games all the time and you know being in person is wonderful but it's the reality we live in right now. And we understand that it can be a temporary reality if we do social distancing. So if it comes down to Lunazda, and we're still um, attempting to f- keep the curve flat and or stop a second spike, um, we have so much wonderful technology that we can do Lunazda over internet video games. Yeah, it's not traditional. We're not doing things that would have happened in ancient times on the aisles, But that's not the world we live in. We can't constantly be running away from, it's a thing, maybe this will come up in Bitchcraft. <laughs> There's a a, tr- a trend in the pagan community of running away from modern comforts because it's not the pagan way, but it's, it is because that's the world we live in. You know, Our ancestors were living in their world doing pagan communal crafts in their world. We need to do it in our world, not theirs.
1: It's it's very true. I mean, I would imagine that young people back in the day had they had the ability to use non-spawn steam, would definitely have done so. Like you mentioned, our little circle, are planning on if we can't get together, we might do you know get video games online for our lunasa. It's it is about that accepting our current reality and over and overcoming. I mean. We say that in our in our in our opening a general disdain for the real world so why be constrained by its rules
0: <laughs> but you'll find, it's so interesting that people will constantly constrain themselves by these made- up rules that they think are important. They think that in order to be uh, I see this all the time more so um, with our traditions of the Celtic and Norse persuasion of people thinking that real paganism is finding traditional clothing and wearing traditional cloaks and, you know, drinking out of horns and doing it around the fire and getting rid of all technology. And that's cool if that's your persuasion, but, Shaming witches and other pagan folk who like doing modern internet stuff, you know, like crafting spells over text message, who like to find what would be a real translation for a Lunasta game, but on a console like the Playsta- like PlayStation, non-spawn. Um, we shouldn't shame those either, you know. we we live in the we live in two thousand twenty. We are pagans of two thousand twenty. <laughs> So if 2020 Pagans want to play Borderlands non-spawn, if you want to sponsor us, please reach us at, at Um We should let them. We should shame them because they are too modern.
1: I ab- I absolutely agree. I think the ability to move between spaces and persuasions is one of the wonderful things that humans can do. We can live in the modern world. Like... Has anyone ever gone to a renaissance fair? I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's one of the things that I cherish. It's one of the summer activities I do with my mom, and it's one of my favorite things in the world. Renaissance fairs are a mishmash of time periods, but goodness gracious are they fun. That's my approach. That's my approach is, you know what? I will do what suits me, and whatever time period it comes from, it's fine. We just have to be... In my case, I am I like to be specific about knowing where it comes from, if I can, and also understanding the problematic aspects. But beyond that, it's a free-for-all. That's the great thing about culture, is it's open-ended all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've kind of moved into bitchcraft, so I'm going to keep riding this train of uh, disdain for, uh, we've talked about this, for pagan essentialism. Um I, I would we... say
1: I would say reconstructionist ideology in general is not our cup of tea. No. Um, and
0: it's, for me, it's really all about I struggle to find the the joy in trying to recreate this idea of what it was. I've never liked trying to like recapture that. Nostalgia. I love nostalgia, but I like experiencing nostalgia. I never want to try to recapture a thing from my childhood. It's more so I'll just pick up that video game and play it as myself right now. And, you know, if it's not interesting to me anymore, it's not. I'm not going to try to recapture by uh, going back to that time or trying to rebuild my experience and hold it precious. Uh, and that's for me what reconstruction is tends to always be about about we lost this like for me of a of a pagan culture that was largely lost you know slavic pagan culture is largely gone thanks to the mishmash of byzantine and other christian practices we weren't lucky enough to be on an island like you and iceland we'll we'll get to that (laughs) Yeah, so everything was generally lost. It's really disconnected. There are only bits and pieces of stories that people were able to, like, sneak in. Um, And so the Reconstruction has all gone towards trying to reconstruct that past uh, national identity, which has led, which in my opinion, has led it down the nationalism, white supremacy, fucked up shit of Basically becoming Nazis, because that's they want to go back to those times, and then even then, it's that limited history. We don't know everything that happened then; we have bits and pieces. But if the you know all the stories are about white men from Viking era, of course it's going to be a hotbed for white racists. So I'm just like I never trust Reconstructionists because they've always led me down a path of basically being a Nazi or end up being queer baity, queerphobic ass wipes. So, yeah, no, rant. that is
1: in, that is entirely valid, um, and I will. All the emotional side you have described the same the same issue for me. I also approach it from. <laughs> you may have noticed we may have talked about it extensively because I have <laughs> this one skill set from an anthropological perspective, an archaeological perspective is because it's all focused on ritual and belief. There is no way to know exactly what people did or what they thought about it. It's impossible. Those things died as culture advanced and changed. Uh, everything evolves, and so some things get get held onto and some things don't. And while there is some anger to be held on to about we lost something important to our culture with Christianity, you could also there's also this you could also say that I don't agree with it. I'm still I don't like the idea that it was wiped out. On the other hand, those people, by and large, accepted the new faith. Like, for example, in Ireland and Scotland, the the Celtic cultures in general mostly accepted Christianity without any violence. It's not like they were trying to remove the missionaries. They converted by their own will. Mm -hmm. I can't change that. I don't agree with it. It's not the path I choose for myself, but there's no reason for me to try to live the same experiences because I don't even, I can't even live the same lifestyle that they lived. It isn't possible for me to recreate the substance lifestyle that those of my ancestors lived, nor do I really want to. And you can't really reconstruct it. And also you're creating false equivalencies too. being a Celtic pagan of any kind. And I don't like to identify myself as Celtic because that word is screwy. (laughs) Um, But trying to be Gaelic means something very different. There wasn't Ireland as a unified nation. There wasn't Scotland as a unified nation. There was never a Poland or a Russia or a a Norway or a Sweden of any unified area. People were loyal to their clan and loyal to their localized community. They didn't think of themselves on the terms of nations because nations didn't exist and nationalism didn't exist. So you're trying to reconstruct trying to reconstruct faiths on the basis of not only comparing them and living up to ideas of modernized, centralized Abrahamic religion, but also in a context that is politically, economically, and just entirely different from our ancestors. There's no way you'll be rid of that. No matter how hard you try to reconstruct, you will never be free of your own cultural biases and customs. So there's no point in reconstructing. There's a point in understanding, appreciating, learning, but not in trying to recreate or relive because you will only just, it'll be an evolution of your own culture. So don't try to pass it off as something more pure than someone who wants to
0: charge their spells on their phone. Exactly. Oh, if only people could just get along and have empathy for each other. It's just like, come on. We're, just because I like to do Tumblr spells and you like to, you know, bang sticks, does not mean it's that different from each other. You just think it's different. I
1: mean, we
0: are a great example.
1: I am a bangy stick type of pagan, and you are a tumbler spell type of pagan. And yet we get along. We do a podcast.
0: Exactly. It's almost as if empathy is the key to victory. That's <laughs> not. Maybe <laughs> it's part of it, but... <laughs>
1: it's It's not the only thing, but it's a good factor it's exactly. a good factor, so my question to you now would be, let's talk about pagan partying and how to witch up your barbecue, even if it's just you and your people you're living with right now, and you can't quite invite everyone over, but you can you can do some stuff
0: mm-hmm. uh for me, it's taking risk <laughs> we talk i mean it's summertime and it's a uh, time of kinetic, so if you're having a party that's Pagan-focused, obviously not everyone is, so consent is important in doing uh, especially dumb, magical things. But if you and a bunch of other pagan-esque, witchy-esque people are hanging out together, just, uh, you know, in the midst of fun wow times, you know, just uh, come up with something. It might be uh, time for a cool... Uh, let's see. Commune with your land together. You know, I'll just sit around when you're, you know, all happy. Whatever you're getting high on, whether that's life or other uh, substances, uh, just start communing with the land. See what people pick up. You know, just because you live on it doesn't mean you're the most perspective, uh, perceptive of your own space. So a friend you invite over might give you a really cool new understanding of the thing you're living on. You might find out there's a giant snake entity living in your lawn that you never knew was there. So I just take risks. Things are fun when you're in the midst of all that fun all that serotonin and just let it flow. Let it flow.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good really good idea. Just let things flow. Um and I would like to talk about and um I know it's not everyone's cup of tea and I am not saying that you have to imbibe the alcohol to be a pagan. You absolutely do not it's something that's a big part of our culture as a whole that doesn't mean it's necessary but like let's also talk about the let's talk about drinking with the crones at varying levels of risk and how we can <laughs> how we can incorporate those light fun frothy summer adult beverages into our practices and if you don't want to do that totally valid You can make most drinks without the alcohol, and it'll still be spot on and symbolically important. So go for that as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, And yes, there will be some risk, but it's mostly based on the deity. Not that there is uh, any... uh, There are some risks outside of that, obviously, depending on your own alcohol tolerance and other uh, current life situations. But I have never had a bad experience sometimes there's things you regret the next day but only because they're usually embarrassing and that's how we learn and that's how we learn um but listen to your again listen to your own intuition if it's not a good day for drinking it's not a good day for drinking with Crohn's that's usually a good sign true (laughs) but if you're like fully comfortable and they're like yeah I'm willing to get sloshed whether that's on life or on alcohol uh go for it take a risk do it safely.
1: For a lot of people, including myself, alcohol is kind of a lubricant. And so it allows you to take some risks limitedly. Obviously, drink responsibly and make responsible decisions for the most part. But sometimes a fun, if embarrassing decision is one you'll come back to and be like, oh, I have a lesson I can pull out of that. Or, oh, wow, it was so much easier to raise energy while I was kind of kind of woo." Um, and I think that also food and drink can also be symbolic. So if you want to connect to someone, so like, say you're having a, a pagany barbecue and you want to do like a ritual together, you could all, you know, make a, a bloody Mary and be like, it's time to go to the Morrigan, folks, you know, just choose, choose your food and drinks based on who you want to connect with. Because from what I've experienced in my practice is that deities tend to really love Kitschy. They like things that are kind of silly and frivolous and symbolically interesting if ham fisted. So, you know, <laughs> like the Morgan every Samhain, I give the Morrigan a bottle of wine and she thinks that's interesting from what I've understood. Or at least she finds it like entertaining. Because it look red wine looks like blood. Isn't that like fun? So, you know, you can appro- you can approach it that way. If you just wanna be like, I would love to have a martini with the ba- with Baba Yaga, like God bless, (laughs) you do you, make it work.
0: Yeah, and it's, again, alcohol is not, alcohol and drugs are not the only way you can get high, in quotation marks, on just the experience. If you're a person who really, like, loses themselves in having fun with friends and you get that same, you know, uplifted, light, loose feeling, alcohol is not necessary. So, you know, find your own way to get loose and fun.
1: It's true, it's true. Um, also, just as a, just to witch up your barbecue, if you are invoking spirits and deities, make sure that you make enough for everyone. You know, it's kind of like going into school and having snacks. Just be polite. If you are doing stuff with them, offer them some stuff, because don't be, don't be, um, this is not a time to be miserly. Be, be open <laughs> and free and don't be rude and just do what you want to do.
0: If you invite someone into your home, you must feed them. Good, solid rule of life. (laughs) Good, solid rule
1: of practice. It's it's all good stuff. It is. It's really important. (laughs) Feed people. Everybody feed everybody. It's great.
0: That's the ultimate lesson here. Feed everyone. Feed life and you feed itself. It's true.
1: So before we move on to Bitchcraft, is there anything else that you think we should cover?
0: No, but I mean we've already kind of covered bitchcraft, so we might. I well just know we kind of have.
1: <laughs> so let's just skip so, on to
0: wrap up. Retroactive, of the month.
1: It's true. Rat, retroactive bitchcraft. Just go back to when we were bitching. Live it again. Love that experience.
0: Moving to crone of the month. <laughs> so, Ian, who are we talking about for our crone of the month? Um, so, we actually, in a way, struggled to figure out our crone of the month because we've hit that. Not that we're running out of crones. We have plenty of crones, but summer again. Weird time for crones, because some crones aren't crones during the summer, so that's weird. And then others are hidden and off living in their own relived youth. So for us, uh, we picked Danu, mother of many, who I enjoy. I'm not necessarily directly connected to, but connected through mentorship. Um, She's a wonderful... Uh, I generally use her in connecting with land and setting space because that's the, her whole persona for me. Um, so she's really, for me, just a wonderful, calming, grounding presence. So, I love Danu.
1: I do, too. She's wonderful. As I said before, she's the mother of the Dan, and They're named for her. So I have a special connection in that way. She's my go-to for land-based things um mythologically she's also under by the name of dawn um she is the mother of the Brythonic gods she was married to bell or belanos who you can hear about in our uh beltana or beltane episode mm-hmm. she doesn't really feature much in the myths herself but she's kind of seen as progenitor earth mother she has a lot of really interesting imagery that's based out of she is the mother of land and water and as such is very compassionate in that she gives her children what they need to live. She's also strict, just like the earth can, and and the nature itself can be sometimes kind of harsh. So she's Mm. all-encompassing these these natural experiences.
0: Yeah. I also love that she's uh, the birth of in a lot of ways magic itself because she's birthed to the land so she's also birthed to the land that for um, Gaelic tradition birthed to the land that the she live on so she has a hand in birthing magic itself so I like that there's that yeah. little bit of uh, uh, unpredictability a little bit of crone you know liminal I birthed a chaotic being <laughs> into a chaotic entity into the world it wasn't all glitz and glam and nature a little bit of wonder
1: yeah that well i think that's that's a defining characteristic of 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 crone being a crone having crones is that there's that that mystery and wonder about you because no one's quite sure how you lived that long and no one is quite sure how how you got to be so crazy and that's what's lovely
0: mm-hmm. yeah all right so again danu our crone of the month we love danu we do <laughs> yeah indeed so um
1: feedback. We're getting desperate people. You can contact us at our, our <laughs> gmail at cr- cronesporch at gmail.com. You can you also want to sponsor check out us? Our-
0: <laughs> Please email yeah.
1: us. If you are any video game company, we'll happily be sponsored <laughs> or alcohol, anything. Um you can also contact us at Crone Porch at face at Facebook and you can also Crohn's Porch on Instagram. We're still really working on trying to do the the social media. We're not very good at it. We apologize, but please, anything you want us to share on the air, please let us know. Any any comments, questions, praise, please <laughs> affirmations. We, we
0: have egos. Please, struggle yeah, with it's, egos. It's,
1: it's 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 true. If you want to just show up on the show, we happy to talk to you. Um, I'd also like to give a big, big thanks to the Celtic Myth Pod Show. They are a superfluous, wonderful pod show that does sort of short radio plays of the myths of the Celtic countries. They have done the entirety of the Irish mythological... Uh, I'm sorry, the Book of Invasions and some of the Irish mythological cycles. They're also working their way through the Mabinagi right now. They're fantastic, and as uh, as of this week... They played their show, and they put our promo on it. And we are super-duper thankful. Maybe because they're famous, we'll get more famous. So you never know. (laughs) But thank you to them. Please, if you haven't listened to them, I'd give it a try. They're really fun, even if you're not super into the Celtic myths. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess we move on to our news.
0: Yeah, so a special announcement. If you are a main show listener who is just in it for the episodes, one, we love you. Thank you for sticking out on our main episodes. But we also, I don't know if smartly or stupidly yet, we'll see as the, the time moves forward, uh, have two uh, side shows, well, not side shows, two side things that run on this show. That is our holiday specials. We've already done uh, Ostara and now Beltana. Uh, which are available as specials. And now we have our Tangents series where we talk about our tinfoil hat ideas and just things that we find damn interesting that we would kind of, that don't necessarily relate to Crone specifically, but are more for us to uh, flex our weird, weird loves. So those are also available. They show up as just part of the main show episodes. If you're a listener on Spotify, they probably are just the next episode to listen to. But if you're on any other platform that shows up differently, um, you might find them under tangents and under holiday specials.
1: Yeah. And so plans wise, we will be having our tangents monthly now as well. And holidays when our holidays show up and in the wheel of the year, if we're doing the traditional eight, that's about every five weeks. We also have our Litha live holiday special coming up. Well, that will be around June 20th. We have not settled on an exact date yet, but we will keep you updated in our June episode, which should come out beforehand. Uh, We may do it on Lyssa itself, since it is a Saturday. That will be, unlike our regular podcast, a live episode, either on a YouTube or Facebook platform, possibly both, if we can figure that out. You will watch us do do, um, research live and discuss with each other, because we have no freaking idea how Litha works. So you'll be watching us learn something new, and maybe you'll learn something new. And I should be able to have comments enabled on any platform, so we can talk to you live, and maybe you'll have some insights, some, <laughs> some cool information to share with us. Uh, please don't make fun of us too much, because like we said, we're desperate. So, you know, affirmations. Bring those keep those affirmation cousin coming and the show
0: will get better. <laughs> yeah, and we'll also probably figure out a way to record it and put it up, you know, a day or two after so that if you miss it, you can always catch it on the podcast and then it will live forever burned into the internet so that we can never escape our time when we didn't know what Litha was. <laughs> it's it's very true. So
1: <laughs> I guess that kind of wrap ups our May episode. I'm a little sad to leave, but we should probably
0: let people get on with their day so yeah so i will say those of danya because i never say it first
1: (laughs) it's true and i will say shlan and we will see you next time on the crone's porch
0: bye bye